We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. This podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators. Podcasts by educators. For more great content, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Principal PLN Podcast, hosted by Dr. Spike Cook, Jessica Johnson, and Teresa Stagger. Principal PLN is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational leadership. Be sure to follow our hosts on Twitter, at Dr. Spike Cook, at Principal J, and at Principal Stagger. There are many great ways to contact the PLN. Follow the hashtag PrincipalPLN or at PrincipalPLN on Twitter. You can also search and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. All links can be found online at PrincipalPLN.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Principal PLN Podcast. This is episode 92. Um, Spike and I are here. We're missing Teresa. Today, she'll be back on. And, you know, Spike, I know that you and I could just totally catch up, but I think I'm just going to get right into our guest author that we have here today. We have Justin Ashley with us on the podcast. He is a teacher, published author, work-life balance coach, and motivational speaker joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. He's the only teacher of the year to ever win two state titles in North Carolina, the history teacher of the year and the social studies teacher of the year in the same year. That's pretty awesome. Um, we discovered Justin Ashley in an article online. I think it was titled, He Was a Classroom Star, But CMS's Teacher Success Masked Depression and Addiction. And then I had to read his book, The Balanced Teacher Path. If you're ready to inject more joy into your personal life, get more meaning from your job, strengthen your body and mind, and break free financially, then you will definitely want to read this book. So hello, Justin, and welcome to the Principal PLM Podcast. Hey, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to uh, be talking with you both today. So we've read your story, but could you go ahead and just share your story with our listeners? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I am a uh, teacher. I've been teaching in CMS for 10 years, Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. Uh, when I first got into the uh, teaching gig, I had this desire and this passion to kind of be this Superman teacher and try to do everything that I could for my kids to rescue them from uh, anything that they might be facing. So 
uh, for me for those first few years, I was uh, a yes man and uh, really just tried to do everything for, for my kids. I uh, was fortunate enough to, to rack up some, some Teacher of the Year awards and kind of work my way up the ladder and got to the point after my fourth or fifth year where I had reached my pinnacle and I, all of my students had met growth. Uh, I had received a, a great report from my principal. I had gotten that North Carolina Teacher of the Year award. And I thought that I should be a very happy person with that. That was my plan. And I was the opposite of happy. And uh, I was addicted to uh, prescription uh, pills, uh, Adderall for focus, Xanax for anxiety, Ambien for sleep. I had $100 in my bank account. Uh, my wife was on the verge of leaving me. I wasn't spending any time with my kids. And uh, I was ready to just kind of hit rock bottom. So at the end of that school year, after being the teacher of the year, uh, what else does a lonely, dead broke, pill-popping teacher of the year do but go to rehab? So I went to rehabilitation. I committed myself to a program. Uh, and I found out the hard way that that is not the path that I want to live in my life, that there is a different different route and a happier path for me. And uh, that was the balanced teacher path. So I wrote about it. And now I'm happy as a teacher. I'm also happy as a husband, uh, happy as a father. Uh, I've got some money in my bank account. I work out six days a week. Uh, and I think I'm going to be able to teach for another 10 to 20 years instead of kind of fizzling out. Okay, so first of all, I just want to personally thank you for writing this book. You um, were completely vulnerable and and open to share everything that you went through. And I think that many probably go through the same struggles, but keep those a secret. Um, and I've also known of educators who went down that same path and got burnt out and didn't get the help that they needed. Sure. Um, and then the choices that they they made along that path led to losing their career. So um, I that's why your book, book just um, spoke to me um, and why I really wanted us to get you on here. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. When I originally started the book proposal, um, I hadn't even gone to, to rehab yet. I was starting the idea for the book because I was doing some, some counseling and uh, this, this coach, this career and life coach that I had, I, my idea was to write a book about making learning fun, instructional strategies, that kind of thing. And I was already really comfortable with that. And she, uh, she told me, she said, don't write that book. She said, don't write a book about someone you already are. Write a book about someone you want to become. And then it's this process of, of revelation and redemption for you where you figure out a newer, better version of yourself while you also help other people. So that's where the whole idea, once I did go to rehab, I didn't know if I wanted to be open and include that because, you know, there's such a stigma attached mm -hmm. to it. But once I did that and once I opened that part of me up to other people, that's when I started getting a lot of messages and a lot of calls uh, and a lot of emails about, wow, this is this is this is it. Me, too. Like I'm, I needed this. And I'm really glad it was kind of embarrassing at first. And, you know, I was like, OK, do I really want to do this? But when you realize that your story helps other people, you care more about um, how your story helps other people than what people might think of you because of your story. So when you go back and you think about, you know, the early days and um, you know, like you were saying, how about, you know, how you were um, you know, getting all these accolades and, you know, burn the candle at two ends and all that yeah. kind of stuff. What were some of the um, like early 
warning signs that you just didn't get a chance to pay attention to, but like reflecting back now, you know, you were obviously, you know, uh, having some issues. Sure. Yeah. There were several warning signs. I think the biggest one for me looking back was isolation. Uh, what I started to do was decline any requests from family or friends to go out and, and do things. Uh, I, I, I rarely responded to text messages, to phone calls, uh, and I didn't want to go on dates with my wife anymore. <laughs> I had too many grades, too many papers to grade. I had too many assignments to do. Um, I was neglecting everything else. I stopped playing basketball. I used to play basketball. And I stopped doing these things because I was so stressed and so anxious about all of the schoolwork that I had. And I just wanted to get it done so that I could make it through the next week and, and make all the people happy that needed me. So for, for me, the biggest one was probably isolation. Uh, and then it and then it became more of the addiction. Then the addiction took over because the the pills were the only thing that got me through the week, uh, and then they were the only thing that got me through the day, and then it was the only thing that got me through the few hours. It was it was became a, a complete necessity for me to have a lot of medications, and it was just unhealthy. And at any point along the way, were there people who started to say, hey, you know, you're starting to act a little bit different, like, um, you know, start like kind of checking in with you. Uh, they they start, started to see some of these, these things manifest. See, at, at home, it was that. It definitely was my wife. Uh, we, we were definitely having a lot of issues and, and um, she was checking in with me a lot and my dad and uh, my mother-in-law, a lot of family and a few of my friends were very concerned. At school, I, I don't really know how, but I hid it very well. I, I put the mask on, I played the part, and I didn't really have many questions from my administration or from, from other teachers. Uh, but if I would have continued down the course, it would have been kind of a shock for a lot of the staff for me to just say, because it was either me quit the job, quit the profession, or figure out a new route. So I think that would have surprised a lot of people. But yeah, at school, I hit it as best as I could for the kids. And at home, it just kind of spilled over and poured over and impacted me. Uh, so yeah, the, my family and friends definitely noticed it a lot more. Mm -hmm. So as, as principal, you know, I'm always concerned about burning out teachers, <laughs> especially sure. burning out my best teachers who, you know, they're the ones that volunteer for everything. And I have to say, you know, I, I already know you're doing a lot. Like, you need to take a break. How, sure you sharing that story makes me think like, you know, of my teachers that I'm checking in with, you know, they're saying they're fine. Mm -hmm. What if they're not? How do, how do I get to that? If they're, if they're not, they're putting down that happy face and everything's fine. That's a great question. I think vulnerability on your end as the school leader is one of your best solutions. Oh, you found PJ Mass. That's great, baby. Good job. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, cutie. How old is she? She is two years old. Oh. Okay. Speaking of work-life balance. Yeah. We've had plenty of children on this podcast. And okay, good. Children and dogs. Sorry about that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Um, no, you're so good. I would, say, I would say vulnerability on your end as the school leader is one great way to help inspire teachers to have a better work-life balance. If you're having trouble with it, and you open up about it and say, look, this is 
this is what I'm struggling with. And this is what I want to start modeling for you as your leader. I want you to take better care of yourself. And I, I'm going to start taking better care of myself too. I haven't been taking 30 minutes for myself after school or before school. I haven't done that since September, since things got really busy at the beginning of the school year. I'm going to start doing that. I want you to as well. Um, I think bringing in speakers or bringing in trainings uh, or doing book studies, not necessarily on my book. There's other books out there. The Well-Balanced Teacher is a good one. I hear there's another good book coming out soon with Dave Burgess. Uh, so, <laughs> That's a nice plug there. <laughs> hey, so, yeah, I got Thanks you. For that, Justin. <laughs> I got you. So I, I think I think making the work-life balance uh, and approaching teachers and saying and, and having some some real legitimate crucial conversations, asking some questions that we don't typically ask teachers. What what's your exercise regimen? How many hours of sleep are you getting every single night? Um, you know, what, what's your strategies for dealing with some of these stresses? How's your family? How's, how's your relationships with your husband or your wife? How are you and your kids doing? Having those out-of-the-box conversations that we don't typically think about can help teachers see that we care about them as teachers and not just their test scores. And when you do that, it, it, it helps them put a priority in place to be like, wow, they really care about me. And I've got a principal right now that really cares about me and asks me those kinds of questions when she sees me and, and if she leaves the school I'm at, I'm going with her, you know, I'm going where she goes because she cares about the whole Justin, not just the one that can provide some decent test scores. Yeah. We, we've begun doing some work over the last few years in mindfulness, integrating mindfulness, you know, of course the whole idea was to get it into the classroom to, you know, allow kids to have, Definitely. you know, access to these types of, um, tools in their tool belts to make them better. What I've found though, is that through doing this, it's been more of a work with the teachers and, um, you know, some of the things that you just said, uh, you know, we, we had a workshop at the end of January, um, where we really took some time. We took like half day, they had a half day session, you know, on mindfulness and, and, and really self care. And the presenter, you know, went through a lot of different steps to help teachers to start analyzing what what is actually going on in their life, um, and with that, how how is that maybe impacting them? Yes. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about um, about that balance and self care and, and sure. different things that you're you're doing? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I think the, the way to go with mindfulness, I think that's a, a really fantastic strategy because a lot of the PDs and a lot of the books and a lot of the speeches that are geared to teachers right now are geared to making them better teachers, better with their instructional practices, better with assessment, better with behavior management. But none of them are about making them a better person, right? A, a full, complete the, the teacher, not just the one in the classroom, but the teacher at home when they've got two bags of, of papers to grade, right? Or the, the teacher who is getting paid, like in North Carolina, a very low salary uh, to do all this work. So I think, how do you approach that? For me, what I, what I learned through a lot of my research, um, Benjamin Franklin had this quote that really inspired me. I'm a history teacher, and uh, Benjamin Franklin's one of my, my favorite founding fathers to study. And he is quoted as saying something to the effect of um, the government only gives you the right to pursue happiness, but it's up to you to catch it. It's up to you to catch happiness. And that's the tricky part for teachers. So what I found out from my research was that 
teachers uh, who are, are happy in a, in a sustainable kind of long, long run viewpoint are teachers who pursue happiness in every domain of their lives through the career, through the social, the personal relationships, through their finances, their money, um, and then through their physical, emotional happiness. So it's trying to help teachers get a more broader view, a, a grander view of what happiness really is and what effectiveness is, and to apply that same passion and that same energy that they have in the classroom, to apply that same, those same uh, intensities into their marriage, uh, into their, their health, into exercising. And, and sometimes you get you get an eye roll on some of these things when you present on it. You know, does, does it do you really want to talk to me about exercising? Well, yes, I do, because research shows that if you exercise for 30 minutes a day, it um, lifts your mood for the next three to four hours and has the same uh, positive effect on your mood as the strongest antidepressants on the market. So, yes, I do want to do that. Uh, it also helps you sleep better. And the research also says that if you don't get seven to eight hours of sleep a night, then you are the next day operating as if you are drunk, intoxicated. So, you know, you and I would never tell a teacher, hey, it's okay if you want to, you know, go ahead and get drunk before you teach that lesson on, on, on pre-calculus, right? We would, we would never say that. But, but teachers all the time are presenting lessons when they're, they're operating on three or four hours of sleep. And they, they're like zombies, you know, it's unfortunate. I did it for, for so many years. I mean, how is that impacting instruction? But we're not talking about it because it sounds it, it just sounds different to really talk about something like that. It doesn't say it's not popular. <laughs> okay, that sleep one just gets me. <laughs> it just does. Oh my goodness. Um I wonder, so your book came out last fall, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Did did um did you share your story with your own staff? Like, have they read your book? Are, are they benefiting from yeah. your, your struggle and, and what you're doing to, to grow? And Yeah, I tried not to be too pushy about it. You know, I don't, I don't want to be you know, too aggressive as, as far as marketing or, or, you know, selling the book. But I did give a copy to several teachers that had asked about it. Um, I shared the article on Facebook and uh, we're, we're a pretty big middle school. We're, we've got 1800 students. We're the oh, biggest wow. middle school in North Carolina. There's a lot of puberty going on up in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think a, a lot of the teachers there are burnt out. So yeah, a lot of them have come up and said, Hey, can, can you tell me more about this or, or how are you doing that? And, and, uh, it's been a great teaching opportunity and mentoring opportunity for a lot of teachers. And I'm learning a lot from them too. Uh, there's a lot of strong teachers there, so there's a good network where we're really helping each other and and learning and growing. It's it's, it's scary because you write a book like this and and people look at you and, and 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 think that you're supposed to have it all together. And to be honest, some days I do, and then some days I'm just I'm I'm ready for a nap. You know, I'm ready for for hibernation. So uh, it's it's a challenge for me to to really try to help others. And, and that was the ultimate goal of the book is uh, to, to bring out the best version of myself and reveal something that I didn't know was there. So Justin, in your conversations, your research, do you feel that um, the teachers who are presenting as, you know, most frustrated, most uh, burnout, um, you know, have most you know, troubles with the kids and things like that, would you uh, venture a guess that they have, 
they are not practicing, you know, self-care. They are not leading a balanced life. You know what I mean? Like could, could somebody who just is so negative, you know, in the school go home to live like such a positive life and have, you know, lots of family activities going on and stuff, or, or is this just their, their, their behavior manifesting itself in the professional, you know, workplace? So I, th I think you've got a mixed bag. I think you've got some certain scenarios where you have teachers that are, that are, are not winning really in any domain of life. Um, and then you've got some that are winning in their careers, but, but they're not winning in the other domains. And then you've got some who are winning in those other domains and then not in their careers. So, so really my take is for every teacher in, in the classroom, you know, for every teacher in the building, uh, there, there's probably some areas for growth uh, in, in, in any or all of those. So, so my approach with, with, with all the teachers that I talk to is let's, let's identify which areas you really need to grow, which areas you really want to grow, and then let's focus on those domains and let's pick out some strategies and try to make some progress there. And what I'm kind of learning is that um, they, they spill over, right? Like, like um, when I started working out and exercising every, every single day, um, it started, I started to make better de decisions and be more motivated in my career again. And I also started feeling happier around my wife and my kids. And then I also started making better decisions and being more hopeful about my financial future, starting to set up a budget and things of that nature. So they all kind of spill over. And, and the goal is that they help all kinds of different teachers, no matter, no matter where they're at. So could you take us through a typical day in the life of Justin? <laughs> uh, there, there is no typical day in the life of Justin. I'll tell you right now, it's chaotic. I got a six-year-old and a two-year-old. But um, All right, but it's, it's Monday yeah. morning, right? Sure, yeah. What time are you getting up? Yeah. And then just kind of get us through through the day, because um, I'm curious to see how, how you are balancing all this now. Absolutely. So it is uh, about seven o'clock in the morning when I wake up, uh, I get ready quickly. I get my son ready for school. I take him to school and uh, I go to my school, which is right down the street from his. I work for about 30 to 45 minutes before the kids come in. Uh, we start at 845. We go straight until we have a planning, but we go straight until about 430. During each class block, I try to do something rigorous mixed with something fun, something engaging. I call it a purple cow that I try to put in every lesson, something different, something colorful, something unusual, so that when the kids go home that day, that's what they tell their parents. Hey, what did you do in school today? <laughs> hey, I played this video game on the Oregon Trail, and I tried not to die from dysentery. Or, hey, Mr. Ashley wrapped the Bill of Rights with Rights, Rights, Baby. You know, I just try to do something, something <laughs> fun, something interesting. Um, after that, uh, about... 4 30 uh the bell rings the students dismiss i go uh i run to the bathroom i, <laughs> cha I change into my boxing clothes my boxing gear and um, i pack everything up and uh, i go to the boxing gym for 30 minutes nine rounds three minutes each uh, that's I cool run, yeah i run from the boxing gym to my car i go pick up my kids i go cook them dinner uh I take a shower. If it's been a long day, I take a bubble bath. Don't judge me. I'm all for bubble bath. Yeah, exactly. And um, I spend some time with my wife. We watch uh, Bachelor or Bachelorette together occasionally. Not my favorite show, but she loves it. Maybe watch a little History Channel. 
Uh, I read a book and uh, I go to bed and then I do it all again the next day. Wow. So have you, was boxing just something that you just got into or is it just local convenient or, you know, what, what's the story with that? Yeah, it was both. Uh, it was after rehab and uh, it was just a very low point in my life where even after I got out of rehab, it was a very hopeless scenario. Uh, like I had mentioned before, my wife was on the verge of leaving me and I had no money. I was burnt out from teaching and I had heard from a friend about this boxing gym and it's, it's national now it's called nine rounds, but, uh, I just, I, I needed something, uh, for me to, to, to give me hope. And, and I walked into the gym with my head down. I asked them about a membership and they put me in and I just started punching and it just felt so, so freaking good. I, I don't know what it yeah, was about it. It sounds like just, great <laughs> stress relief. Yeah, it, it was. Every teacher needs that at some point or another. Right. But, um, it got the rage out and it, it just unlocked all of, all of these, these, this hidden potential in me. Um, and I started sleeping better. I started feeling better and I started feeling like a fighter, not just at the boxing gym, but also at school, also with my addiction, with my depression, with my anxiety. I just felt like if I'm going to get out of this and if I'm going to restore everything in my life that was good, I'm going to have to fight my way back into it. And I became a fighter, and, and that's what it was. And, and uh, I honestly feel like it saved, saved my life uh, because I don't know where I would be without that boxing gym. And you talk a, uh, a bit about financial security and, and financial uh, wellness, um, sure. you know, planning and budgeting and things like that. Um, and I, I had the opportunity to go through um, – Financial Peace University uh, in the fall. Uh, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, he's yeah, 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 and um, yeah, really helped me to take a look at, you know, you know that whole piece of finances that we we often overlook. Um, So, talk to us a little bit about your, you know, your financial journey as well. Sure, definitely. Uh, Yeah. So, my wife and I that that was one of the hardest pieces for us in the beginning of this. Uh, because I've had no education on, on finances as a kid, maybe for you either spike, maybe like when you were in high school, we didn't take any classes on, you know, how to be financially sound when we grew up. Right. Uh, No. And, and, and the, the credit card companies, uh, you know, they start, you know, when you're in college and you you look at what everybody's, you know, how everybody's living and, um, you don't understand how they're doing it. And usually on the same, in the same profession, uh, and then you come to find out that it's there's a lot of credit card debt and all this other kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It's it's a part of the culture, uh, especially like you're saying at a very young age, it begins. So uh, for us, it was the simple matter of printing out the cash flow generator template that Dave Ramsey has on his yeah. website, the budget and and working that budget out. You know, at first it take it would take 30 minutes a month. Uh, and then we get down to 10 or 15. And once we started doing that, I had a piece about myself, the anxiety about the money and how little money I was making. Um, it, it still can be stressful at times, but it's, it's workable and it's doable. So, and also seeing patterns and trends in our spending, where are we, where are we spending too much? Where can we cut? Um, and where do we need to invest a little bit more? So those are things that, that were very helpful to me early on. And I read a couple of Dave Ramsey's books as well. He's, he's a, a, a great one uh, to definitely tap into. 
and, and also the side hustle as far as the book right. and, and speaking. Uh, it's unfortunate that, that many teachers have to work two or three jobs, uh, but the, the benefit is uh, I get to work some of my passions. And there are some people out there who make a lot more money than I make, and, and they're miserable at their jobs. I get to hang out and spend time and help kids every single day, Monday to Friday. That's pretty cool. Right. So I'll take it. Like if I have to work a little bit extra during the summertime or over my winter break or spring break, if I have to write or, or travel to another state to, to do a speaking event or two, I'm willing to do it. So we got to find some ways to, to put a little extra money in the bank and we got to find some ways to spend the money that we have a little more wisely uh, in, in some scenarios. Uh, and if we can do those things, then those stresses of finances really go to the back seat. Uh, so I wish that we lived in a world where teachers make what they deserve, uh, but it's just not where we're at right now. And right. I, I'm trying to figure out how to make this work with the reality that I'm in. So that, that's where I'm at. With. So can you talk to us a little bit about like your faith and what's, what's grounding you, um, you know, on a spiritual level? Absolutely. I can definitely do that. Uh, I'm very respectful of, of, of anyone from any faith. Uh, I, I work at the Jewish Community Center during the summer. I've got a cross tattoo on my arm. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, and for me, going back to my faith was, was big because when I was on the pills, I lost it. And I felt like a, a robot or a mannequin uh, without a soul, to be honest. And those that have struggled with addiction know exactly what I'm talking about. You lose the emotion in so many ways. So once I got off of the pills and once I weaned myself off of, of all of that, my spiritual journey began to open up again, began to read my Bible a lot, uh, began to pray again and talk to God and have that peace with him. And uh, for me, it was uh, really uh, just a matter of connecting with the source that has always been there, but that I refuse to listen to for a very long time. If I would have listened earlier, I probably would have done a lot, of, lot less damage. Uh, but connecting with that, that higher energy, you know, you can, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, you can call it whatever you want, has helped me see the higher purpose in this and probably given me the strength to, to be open with my story because I wanted to keep it to myself. And I really uh, did not want other people to, to know uh, my weaknesses, but God takes those weaknesses that we have and he uses them to build strengths in others if we're willing to, to have the courage to share them. So uh, definitely spending a lot of time reading. When I was in rehab, I read the book of Job over and over and oh, over again. It's my favorite. And you love, you gotta love Job, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and, and he was this guy who didn't lose faith. They took his, his, his family from him. They took his, his business from him. They took his help from him. They took everything. And I remember praying one night in rehab to God. I said, Lord, I am, I am not half as strong as Job. I am no Job. I said, if you, if you, God can please just, just, I, I know this is a test, but I, I'm begging you, if you can please allow me to keep my marriage. And if you can please allow me to keep my relationship with my kids and my job, I will give you my everything. And I know it sounds crazy, um, but I, I felt God's voice. Okay. I didn't hear God's voice. This wasn't hallucination. I wasn't on drugs anymore. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I kind of felt within me of, okay, 
I'm not going to take that from you, but you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to fight your way out and you're going to have to, to, to claw your way out. You're going to have to earn this. And I believe sometimes God gives us grace and, and sometimes he, he gives us a challenge or he gives us uh, an expectation. He wants action. And I think God in that moment wanted action for me. He wanted me to do something uh, to, to show my faith in him. So that's what I did when I got out. Well, you have such an incredible story that I'm so glad that you have shared, um, both in your your book and in your speaking and, and joining here um, on the podcast today. We're very grateful for having you. Do you have any final words for our listeners before we close this out? No, uh, Jessica, Spike, I pr really appreciate you guys having me on. To all the listeners, uh, I would say just continue to pursue happiness across all the domains of your life. Uh, I haven't talked to a teacher yet that has regretted trying to find uh, a, the balanced teacher path or trying to find a, a strong work-life balance. These are the teachers that can last not just for a few years, but for a few decades in the classroom. Do you want to impact a few hundred kids or do you want to impact a few thousand? Um, so I admire every teacher out there, every principal listening to this. Uh, for their work with kids and, and for the passion they have for kids. But you can also have that same passion for your family. You can have that same passion for your finances and you can have that same passion for yourself. You deserve that. Uh, and I hope that you find it. So Jessica Spike, thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate the work you both are doing in education as well. Yeah. Thanks so much. And, um, you know, we really recommend that you check out uh, Justin's book, um, also his blog, too. He has, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder, like, what is something that I could do tomorrow to put some of these things into place? And he has a blog post that, that uh, 16 things you can do to be happier at school tomorrow, you know, and there's there, there are things that uh, that are on there that you would have never thought of, maybe. Um, and then things that are that are right there at your, you know, um, at your possibility. And, uh, I like that. It's just uh, the way that you, that you wrote that and the, um, the focus, you know, on like, here, let's just do something, you know, right away, you know, buy your custodian or cafeteria woman, uh, mm -hmm. you know, soda from the teacher's lounge, things, things like that, you know, spread, spread the love around in your school and make people happy. Um, because, you know, we only have certain amount of time, you know, that, that we're there at work and we might as well. It sounds like what you're saying is like uh, there's, there's that old quote, if you, if you can't get out of something, you might as well get into it. So Absolutely. it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like you really get into it. And, um, you know, and that's great. So um, can you just uh, let our listeners know where they can find you and how they can access you? Yeah, definitely. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, or LinkedIn. I'm on all of those. Uh, you can also go to justinfashley.com uh, and you can purchase the Balanced Teacher Path uh, on Amazon at Barnes & Noble or at freespirit.com for bulk purchases. Okay, great. All right. Well, thanks again so much. Spike, did you have a final word? I, I jumped in on. No, no. Go, go right ahead. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> we know how we close it. Principal PLN out. <laughs> Thanks for sharing in the learning with us today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and continue the conversation by joining the Boxer Group. Links can be found at principalpln.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? 
you need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to ixl.com B to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's ixl.com slash B-E.